My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun. On this episode of the Just a Mom podcast, I'm really honored and excited to be joined by Jason Reed. And Jason and I just met via Zoom a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And he has a pretty incredible story about parenting a child who um, died by suicide. So he's going to share about his family and about his son that he lost and all of the incredible work that he is doing now in suicide prevention. Jason, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Susie. Thank you for having me on your show. Um, it's an honor to be here today and share what I've learned along my journey. Um, I guess I can start with saying that I understand this is probably a very challenging topic for a lot of people to listen to. And I like to take it, I'll tell you briefly my story about Ryan, but I don't want you to think about this as a story about suicide. Because suicide is the end of a very bad journey that a lot of kids are on. And the chance of your child dying from suicide, even though it's one of the top reasons why children die, is still, it's, it's not a huge chance that's going to happen to you, even though it happens to people every day. But what is a reality, unfortunately, is that you know, 40 to 50% of kids these days have large depression, anxiety issues that are, for the most part, untreated, because we don't know about them. And so why don't I start there with saying that you know, this podcast today is more about those kids than it is about Ryan. But to get the story of Ryan out in, in the podcast land, um, Ryan was just turned 14. In fact, it was on March 12th. And um, we had no idea that Ryan had any issues. We had four other kids, or three other kids that were older, and he was, in my mind, the least grumpy of all of them. Mm-hmm. So no reason to think that Ryan had any challenges. But Ryan was severely depressed, and that came out in his letters afterwards, in his notes that he sent us, or left us. But he did a great job of hiding it. And on March 17th, Ryan took his life, um, and we finally had to take him off of life support on the 21st. We had no idea. So uh, we live in a world where, you know, we thought we were a close family. We are a close family. We still are a close family. Um, I spent a lot of time with Ryan, and he, uh, we had what I thought was a great relationship, but he told me it was a great relationship even after, in his letters after he passed. But Ryan had a secret. And the secret was that he was hurting, and he didn't want to live anymore. So... That's the story of Ryan. I wish there was more to it. I wish I could say mm-hmm. that, you know, we battled with Ryan's depression and anxiety for years and years and years. Yeah. I wish I knew about it. I didn't. So after Ryan passed, I made it 
my mission to try and help parents understand what I missed. Because honestly, a lot of the signs were there. Ryan had become more withdrawn. Ryan spent a lot more time by himself. Ryan didn't want to go out with friends. Ryan didn't want to go out with me as much. You know, I thought, well, he's turning 14. He's, you know, he had Crohn's disease, so he was sick. He had a lot of infusions every six weeks. Um, there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on with Ryan. So I thought, well, that's just part of Ryan growing up. Um, we were not a family that ever talked about mental health. And I wish we did. Your story is really similar to our story, except that my son, when he was at the crossroads and he was mm-hmm. thinking and writing, trying to write a note to us, um, he decided instead to ask for help. And we missed it. We didn't know either. And he was our, he's our youngest child as well. We have two older children. So we have very similar stories in that respect, mm-hmm. except yours ended in the loss of your son. And I just want to tell you how sorry I am for you and your wife and, and your other children that you lost Ryan t- to this illness because it is an illness. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And unfortunately, there's nothing we can do to change that now. You're right. There's not. And it's, I talk to a lot of parents who go through this. I talk to a lot of parents in the middle of it. And I speak, you know, speaking up in Northern California this week, or no, I'm sorry, Denver this week in Northern California next week. Um, It's just part of my life now. But what I wanted to, what I really wanted to do is help parents understand that this is a lot more serious than we all knew. And, and, and this was pre-pandemic, right? right? This was back in 2018, um, before the world fell apart. Right. It was a big problem then, but it's a massive problem now. It is. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do on the Just a Mom podcast is get information out as well as stories like yours, mine, other people who have children who have struggled. Mm-hmm. Some have gotten help, some have not, and just to try to get more information out there and and get us talking about mental health and mental illness. Because if we will actually talk about it, you know, our generation, I think the kids are doing a better job of it than we are. Now, Mm -hmm. that doesn't apply to your situation, and originally it didn't apply to mine, but now a few years later, Kids are doing generally a better job talking about it. So what are you doing? Tell us about what you are doing to get parents talking about mental health. Well, let me tell you what I've, what I've done since Ryan passed. So if you go to tellmystory.org, um, you'll see a TED Talk I did. You'll see a Goldcast I did. You'll see the movie Tell My Story, which is up on Amazon Prime and a lot of streaming services that you probably have on your computer already. And that's what we did to try and get the message out. Um, And it's really a message that says, you know what? We have to pay attention. Because if you're waiting for someone else to say, hey, your child has an issue, that's not going to probably happen. The teachers are overwhelmed. They don't know what to look for. And they, they see so many kids every day. Some are withdrawn. Some are not. Some are angry. Some are not. 
they have other issues to deal with and they are not paying attention to whether your child has a mental health issue or not. They just don't have the time. They're overwhelmed. And they're not trained in mental and health, to be fair. I have a daughter who's trained. a teacher, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, they're, and they're doing a great job with what they can do, right? But I mean, right. and if you talk to the principals and you talk to the therapists, you talk to the counselors, and you want to talk to them about mental health, they're like, yeah, we want to talk about mental health, and we had two kids die of fentanyl this year. Mm. Right? Which because is also those, an issue, but. Which is, we, these are all, I mean, they have yeah. major issues. Yeah. All I mean, we have kids who aren't coming to school. We have kids, I mean. I would not want to be a principal of any school in any part of this country right now. Me either. And my, my, my heart goes out to all the teachers, all the principals, all the vice principals, all the counselors, and, um, because it's a hard job. So, but if you're waiting for them to come help you and say, hey, your child has a problem, that's probably not going to happen. If you're waiting for your doctor to say, hey, we just did your wellness checkup and I think your child has something we should talk about, they're not looking. For the most part, they're not looking. You have some very progressive doctors now who are trying to look or trying to pay attention. But for the most part, they're not looking, and they're not looking because they don't have anyone to refer to, and therefore they don't want to know. And that's a sad way of looking at it, but it's the truth. Right? If they ask questions they don't know the, and they don't like the answers, they have no one to refer to, they, it's better for them not to know. We do have now, a massive provider shortage in this country, that is for sure. Yeah, And that takes us to the point where there, there's just not enough therapists and there's not enough psychiatrists and psychologists and not enough inpatient clinics or outpatient clinics for the mental health issues we have in this country. And that's not just with our kids, that's with ourselves, right? We, right. we have the largest mental health crisis we've ever seen to date going on right now. And we have a shortage of everyone who can help us. Now, there's a lot of really good people out there who are trying, but there's not enough. And if you send your child to a therapist, which if you, I mean, if you need to, you should, you have to be very careful because they're not all the same. Right. It's like any other, it's like any other career. You've got A players, B players, and C players, and not everybody's trained in mental health and not everybody's trained just because I'm a therapist who does, um, you know, couples therapy doesn't mean I'm trained in how to deal with suicide or mental health issues in general. It's a very, very narrow niche of people who, who have the ability, the skill set, and the compassion to want to do that. So where does that leave us? Well, that leaves us where I am right now is saying, as parents, we need to take care of this. Because the other part is, are we waiting for the government? Don't. You can, you can hear all this stuff about all the money they set aside for mental health funding, and then I'll tell you what. Why don't you tell me where it's been, where it's going, and how, that, how long that's going to take to get deployed anywhere. And when it gets deployed, how much of it is going to be wasted. If you're waiting for that money to come down and save your child, it's not going to. And I'm not trying to be a doomsayer here, and there's no way out. I am trying to say there's an absolute way out, and I'm going to share that with you right now. Um, it's you owning your child's mental health the way you own your child's physical health. It's what I wish I could have done had I known. What do you mean by owning your child's mental health? Well, I'll share a Ryan example. Ryan had Crohn's disease. He had a really bad case of it. So my wife, being who she is, researched absolutely everything about Crohn's. 
She was in every forum, every group, every this, every that, talked to every doctor, got every boom, had them on this complete regimen to make sure that that was taken care of. Because that's what we do as parents, right? If our child comes home with a stomach ache, we're like, okay, what's going on? Why does it hurt? Is it really? First of all, we're like, are you faking it? You don't want to go to school? But they're like, okay, wait, that's real. Is it appendix? Is it this? Is it that? Okay, do you have a fever? Boom, we're on it, right? Right. That's what we do. Our kids say, I broke up with my girlfriend or my boyfriend, and I just don't want to go to school, and I don't feel like going to anything, and I'm just going to sit in my room and cry. And we say, go to school. What Suck it up. <laughs> Suck it up. Which I get, right? I absolutely get, because I'm, probably, I'm the dad who probably did a lot of that, right? But, and by the way, for a bunch of kids, that's probably the right thing. Right? Just, you know, come on, let's go. But for those that it's not, it's a really bad thing. Because here's what it comes down to. And this I had to learn because I didn't know. I want you, when you think, if, you, if you've never been depressed, if you've never been anxious, if you've never had any of these issues, which I haven't, I really haven't. Like, the only anxiety I get is, did I get to the airport on time? I mean, it's not, not, it's not real anxiety. Right. right? But... Here's how I like to describe it. You know, I live in Southern California. With the exception of this last month or so, I look outside, there's not a cloud in the sky. All right? If I had someone with me who is really depressed, seriously depressed, and they looked at that sky, they'd see only clouds. There's nothing I can say to make them believe there's no clouds in the sky. Right. And that's the part that doesn't make any sense, right? You're like, there's no clouds. They see clouds. There's nothing you can say to change their mind, right? And if you try to change their mind, say, look, there's no clouds, look again, they'll eventually just stop talking to you and stop sharing with you how they feel. What you can, and the only thing you can do is get them to talk about their clouds. What do they look like? Why are they there? What makes them show up? What makes them go away? How do they make you feel? Are there good clouds and bad clouds? And no matter what they say, resist the urge to try and tell them they're wrong or fix them. Because you're not going to fix them. And that is the hardest thing for most parents because we love our kids. We want to just hold them and say it's going to be okay and don't worry about it. And, this, right? and you know what? There's other girls, there's other boys, there's other this, there's other that. Don't worry about it. When all that does is push them away from us. What we want to do is draw them towards us by making them believe and, and showing them that no matter what they're thinking, they can tell us. So when I am, my message to parents when I'm talking to them is like, this is how you save your kids. Making them believe and showing them that no matter what's going on in that head of theirs, they can share it with you. And I, I really agree with everything you have said about getting your kids to talk to you and, and talking about mental health from a young age. And I've said a million times, my oldest child is 25. I wish I had heard all of this 26 years ago before I had a child. I would have done things so differently. But I will ask you this. I have several friends who have lost children to suicide. Mm -hmm. And I almost lost my child to suicide and at some point, while, yes, I agree, we can do everything in our power to 
get our kids the help they need, give them the language to use, and make it okay to talk about, they ultimately have the power to make a decision. Mm -hmm. They do. And? I just, I don't want parents to hear this conversation and think, oh, I lost a child and it's my fault. Oh, no, I, I don't think when you lose a child, it is your fault. I, I think, though, you know, people say to me, you know, Jay, it's, Ryan's not your fault. I'm like, I don't think Ryan's my fault. I don't walk, sit around beating myself up every day because I lost Ryan. But to sit back and not look at what I could have done differently would not be fair. And thank you for clarifying that because I just wanted to make sure that you were, that we were on the same kind of wavelength mm -hmm. and that that's and, what. And, and to every parent out there who's lost a child, I'm with you. I get it. But every one of us also realizes that we wish we saw the signs differently. Absolutely. And we wish we had caught it. Yeah. And we live with that yeah. every day. Right. So I'm not making anyone feel guilty. Sure any more guilty than we all already feel. Right. But the reality is that if we don't share our stories, if people like me don't go out there to, to people who have not lost their children and say, look it, here's what you should look for. Right. Right? Agreed. And here's what you should do. Then this continues. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and it, yeah, it's a, it's a terrible thing to live with because you live with it and it never goes away. Right. Right? You really do. And, and the wonderful thing about kids, though, when we're talking about suicide versus adults, what I've seen, and some people might disagree with me, I would much rather be dealing with a suicidal kid than a suicidal adult. Why do you say that? Because suicide kids are just a little more willing to talk to you. And they haven't made up their minds yet in the same way. And they can, minds can be changed if, you, if they just go and talk. They feel better when they talk about it. When I'm talking to parents who have, you know, adult children who are suicidal, I'm, I'm, I'm on edge constantly because those are adults who can make decisions and they make their decisions quickly or they can hide it easier. I, I, it's hard. It's so hard when you're dealing with an adult who's suicidal. I think you brought up a really good point a few minutes ago, too, about how you and I and other people who have not... personally ever felt those feelings, mm -hmm. how it's really hard for us to understand the depths of pain and despair. And I've heard several people who have battled suicidal ideation, depression, anxiety, say that I didn't want to die, but I wanted the pain to end. And that's the internal battle, I think. And they they don't necessarily see the bigger picture of, oh, what is this going to do to the people I leave behind? They're not thinking clearly because they have an illness. Well, and, and that's the whole thing is that we think that if we say to them, well, look, at here's what's going to happen to me if you leave. Here's what's going to happen to your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. They're, they're not thinking that way. Right. Not at all. They are walking through a world of shards of glass in complete pain and can only think about how they want out of that pain. 
Exactly. And that's the only way I can describe it because that's how it's been described to me. It's right. like when they're not they're not thinking about you or me. They're thinking they need this pain to end. Mm-hmm. And it's like a pressure cooker. If you imagine a pressure, it gets to that certain point where it's got to blow. Mm-hmm. So if you want the best way to get them to, to, to and, and you kind of release, you know, you release that little thing on the top of a pressure cooker and mm-hmm. the steam comes out mm-hmm. before the whole thing goes poof, it's talking. Yes. It's getting them to talk about their feelings. Like as much as this is like, I am so scared to ask my kids how they really feel. And I'm afraid of what's going to come out of their mouths. And it's not going to make any sense to me. The best thing you can do is get your kids to talk. And it's not going to make any sense to you. I'm going to tell you right now, none of it's going to make any sense to you. Right? And you're going to go, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, you, you just, you failed the test. What the hell? It's just a test. You've got to not say those things. You've just got to let them talk and listen and talk and ask and talk and talk. The more they talk, you're relieving that pressure. Every child I've talked to who has been suicidal, who has been at that point in their lives, the thing they tell you is that I just, if I just talk, if I cry, if I cry and I talk, it just, relie- it just releases it. If I cry and I talk and I feel like I'm in a safe space where I'm not going to be judged, I'm not going to be told what to do, and I can just do that, it's amazing how that makes them feel better. And again, that doesn't make any sense, right? You're like, well, I didn't solve anything. I didn't give them a fi- I didn't fix it. You don't have to fix it. Exactly. They just have to be able to talk about it. They have to be able to cry about it. They have to be able to let it out. And then, believe it or not, that's how a lot of them get saved. That's a lot of them are just that ability. I mean, I've seen it over the last five years. So many kids that just because they suddenly have an ability to talk about it and they're not bottling it up, and they can cry about it with their parents. And you give it three months, six months, nine months, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, they, they made it through. And these are kids who might have been in the hospital, 5150 or whatever it might have been. But now their parents are listening, and now their parents are allowing them to talk, and they feel better. And some of these kids in tandem are probably also seeing a therapist, a psychiatrist might be mm-hmm. on medication. So absolutely, it's... It can be a whole um, lot of different things feeding into it. But what you're really saying, just to make sure we've, we've got this clear, is that parents have got to convince their children from an early age that we are listening and we love them and we want to help them. Well, I mean, if you take a look at it, what is it, 368 hours in a week, whatever the heck the, the math comes out to be? 168 hours, 168 hours a week, right? Yeah, yeah 168 hours a week. I try to put 368 hours in my week. It doesn't work out very well. <laughs> so 168 hours in a week, and you send your kids to therapy once a week or twice a week for an hour. That's, that's, not, that's not enough. Yeah. Like, they need to know at home every day when they're with you or when it's the middle of the night and they need to talk, someone's there. That's what they need to know. I've watched your, your talks, and I've watched um, your talk, especially with the dads mm. that you've done. Why don't you tell the listeners about that? Why specifically dads? <laughs> well, look, I'm 55 years old. I'm an entrepreneur. I own businesses. I've done a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm that guy who 
gets his stuff done. And I grew up in a world where most of the guys my age, we were, we, we were told not to cry. We were told you know, to man up and do all that kind of stuff. So that's how we grew up and that's how we are. And we also believe that you know, it's our job to protect our families, provide for our families, and not let anybody see that it's tough. And that's what I did, right? So as a dad, I showed up as a guy who, you know, built these businesses, you know, ran Ironman races and was a black belt and wrote books and everybody comes to you for advice and everything always goes well. And that's how I showed up to my entire family, my wife and my kids. I hid the fact that, you know, you know, I almost went bankrupt three times, right? Then I almost lost the house. I didn't tell anybody that. No one ever saw me cry. No one ever saw me scared. So that's how I showed up to Ryan. And so when you think back about how Ryan looked at life, I was his role model. And what he saw was his world falling apart. And he looked at me and said, well, my dad's world's perfect. It must be me. Hmm. And I'm not going to share with them how screwed up my life is. Because if I, I'm the problem. So where I thought I was doing the right thing by protecting my kids and my wife from all the other stuff that I deal with on a daily basis, what I did was the opposite. Because Ryan didn't see me in my most vulnerable moments. And I'm not saying I would go back and tell my 13-year-old son that I was going to lose the house. Right. But, could but cause I, some stress. <laughs> I, I could have said a lot more about, you know, hey, my life isn't great, buddy. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. I had, you know, here's somebody at work that I don't get along with. Or here's, I had a bad day because of this. Or I just felt just overwhelmed today. I didn't feel like going to work. Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt that way? Absolutely. I didn't give my kids the opportunity to ever share that. I, that vulnerability goes a long way. And that's what I've learned. And that's one of the things, thank you for bringing it up, Susie, that I share. I like to share with people going, wow, you think you're doing yourself and your kids a favor by hiding the reality from them? Um, if you really want your kids to talk to you, you need to show them that you're normal, that you're human, that you have bad days. And it's okay to have a bad day. Yes. I wish I, I, wish I had done that. I didn't. I do now more for sure. And I agree with you. Our generation, that's how we were brought up. I'm 53, so we're about the same Mm -hmm. age. And that's exactly how we were brought up. That's what we were told, both vocally and by example, when we were growing up, is that you just, you you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. And if something was wrong, then you just put your face on and went ahead and you got done what you needed to get done. And you didn't talk about your feelings and you didn't cry in front of anybody. And that is exactly how we were raised. So I feel like we did a lot of the same things in our parenting, Jason, just to be clear. Like, and I think a lot of people in our age group would agree with that. And I really appreciate you being willing and open and vulnerable to say these things because that's exactly what's going to start changing the dialogue that we're having around mental health in this country and parenting. 
The, the other side of this, which is nobody really talks about, and I'm starting to talk about a little bit more, is that it's, it's also really tough. And what's tough about it is that how do you know when they're telling the truth? Because the unfortunate side of what we go, we're going through right now is that some kids, not all kids, use this as a crutch to get out of doing things like their homework or going to school or just use it as a, well, I'm not, my mental health isn't very good today, so I'm just not going to do, I'm not going to clean my room. And so I think being a parent in today, like right now, like right now with, we're in this, everybody's talking about mental health, everybody's dealing with these, the, how tough this is. And what do I do? Do I push on my kid? Do I not push on my kid? Do I, I mean, how do I do this? I mean, I got to say, I feel for everybody who's dealing with that issue right now. And, I, you know, I've got an example. I got a friend who, you know, daughter broke up with, with a boyfriend. And she decided not to eat, not to drink, not to do anything. And she called me up and said, well, what do you think I should do? I, goes, I have to take her to the hospital. I'm like, yeah, maybe. Like, wh what's she doing right now? Well, she's on her phone in front of the TV. I'm like, and she, and she hasn't drank any water all day? No. Okay, well, why don't you tell her that she has to drink water or she has to give her your phone? And see what she says. If she says, gives you the phone and doesn't drink water, you should probably take her to the hospital. Instead, she had a glass of water and got her phone back. So it's like, it's hard. It's really it hard. It's so hard. It is. I mean, it is so hard as a parent to know where to draw the line, right? And, and, and I think that... I wish I, I'm searching for the answer to that question, to be honest. Yeah. I'm searching for how do you, how do you tell a parent to know what the, the true signs are versus the kid who's trying to manipulate the situation. Right. Which they, you know, and they're kids. That's what they do. Sure. Right? Well, not, yeah. Adults do too. So yeah. Adults <laughs> to do fair. too. Right. So it's like, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, you have to err on the side of, well, this might be serious. Absolutely. That's what I always tell people is, you know, even if you think it's just normal teenage angst, it's never the wrong thing to ask for help and to get those conversations going. So, yeah, but it is it's an incredibly challenging time to be a parent. It truly is. Go ahead. What else should we talk about? Susan? Well, I, I was going to say, let's talk more about your foundation and your recent project, which is your movie that mm -hmm. I watched. Why don't you tell the listeners about that? Yeah, so we did Tell My Story back in 2017, came out, 2017, I'm sorry, in 2020, 2020 came out in 2021, I think it was. And you can see that on Amazon Prime or, like I said, other streaming services. The thing about that movie is it's a, it's a documentary film, docudrama, so you're going to see you know, us going traveling around, talking to different parents and families and therapists and such, and <clears throat> I'm very proud of the film we did. The most compelling part of that, though, is not me, obviously. It was when you hear these kids talking about how they felt. And that led us to our newest program, and you can see it at tellmystory.org, which is the movie What I Wish My Parents Knew. And this movie is more of a conversation with kids about their mental health. There's nothing, we're not cutting away to kids playing in the park. It's not like a movie movie. It is me interviewing kids in a studio, 
mostly the kids, less of me, and they're just talking about what it was like with their mental health. And we interviewed like nine kids and put them in this film. Some of the most compelling things I saw was how young they were when they first started realizing they had mental health issues. Shocking. I didn't realize how young they really were. Seven, eight years Mm -hmm. of age. When they realized that there was something different, there was something wrong with them. They didn't know how to articulate it. When it first crossed their mind to take their life at seven or eight years of age. I mean, I I found that to be overwhelming, to be honest, because I didn't realize it was that bad. And it points to why we have to start this conversation from birth. Mm-hmm. Because these young kids are thinking about these things. Absolutely. A lot more than I realized. Mm-hmm. So this movie is 45 minutes long. And, and by the way, it's a school program. You're not going to be able to find this movie anywhere online. I'm not doing it that way because you can't just show this film by itself because you get left with a whole bunch of what are the answers. So it's 45 minutes of you listening to these kids talk in a school situation. In your, and so an auditorium. Uh, then we bring in a mental health professional for 45 minutes to talk about what you just saw and the local resources available to you as a parent. And we send you to tellmystory.org, which is our, our site that we're developing right now, which still has a couple months to be what I want it to be, but it will be the premier site for parents of, to learn about the mental health of their kids. And we have a whole bunch of vetted partners that you can go to and you can find, talk to them. Um, and learn as much as you possibly can because we are living in a world where a lot of parents don't know the difference between a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and a therapist. And I don't blame them because I didn't either. Yes. Right? So this program is something that can go in your school right now. Just reach out on our website and we will I'll have my team reach out to you and we'll help put this in your school. But I want to put this in five hundred schools this year because I'm all about trying to make a difference with parents and kids. What age school are you trying to get them into? Are you just aiming at high schools? Or are you doing elementary schools? We're doing elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. Yes. I mean, I can tell you, I, I spoke a couple of years ago at a, a group up in Portland. Of uh, there was, It was the parents of seven and nine-year-olds. And I was like, how many people are going to show up? And there were 200 people in the audience because these parents were that concerned about the mental health of their kids. And after doing this movie, I understand why. Mm-hmm. And they should be. And I think that every elementary school should have something like this happening for parents to learn at a very young age. If, if there's one thing I can just, one wish I have is that every parent takes this seriously the same way they would if their kid walked in with a broken arm. Yes. Jason, how... Has losing your son and doing the work in mental health and particularly with kids and teens, mental health, how has that affected your marriage, your family, your older three mm. kids? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. I mean... Um... This is um, something I do. Everybody grieves differently. My wife isn't part of this program, um, and she can't be, and I understand that. 
She's not stopping me from doing what I want to do or what I need to do, but this is not how she wants to live her life. She's very private and has her own way of dealing with her own grief. My three older kids, same kind of thing. They were briefly in the, the original movie, and they don't want to be part of all the stuff that I do. Now, we all have a great relationship. You know, it's my wife's birthday tomorrow. They were all over yesterday. They all live nearby. We had a great day yesterday. Uh, two of them are getting married this year. Oh, congratulations. They're, they're definitely, thank you. So, you know, we are moving forward as a family. My wife and I are still together. So that's rare in these situations. But yeah, I, I have decided that, and it was some angst at, in the earlier days going, this is important. It has to happen whether you guys like it or not. And I did take that unfortunate stance and wish I had a bit softer with it, but <laughs> we live and learn. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they're, they are, they're all surviving. I mean, look, look at if you, there's, when I look at some people who have lost their kids in there and we're five years in and they might be eight or 10 or 12 years in, and they're still really struggling and not that we're not struggling as we are, but I think we are all still have lives. So what does the worst day for you look like in terms of when you're having a bad day, thinking about the loss of your child? Hmm. I don't have bad days. I have bad moments. I think that's what you'll find for most people is that you'll be going on. Your day's fine. And out of nowhere, you just break down and cry. So, there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's just a reality. And there's no real I, timeline for grief. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 there's not. I mean, look at it. It's, again, when you lose a child, it's, it's, it's not going to ever get better. You learn to deal with it, it never gets better. But I want to, you know, for those of you going, this is totally uncomfortable. I get it. Not always comfortable for me either. But what I really want you to do is just take it seriously and understand that I don't want you to end up like me. That's the last place you want to be. When, when people talk about how money can't buy happiness, trust me, I'm fine money-wise, and that doesn't change anything. It really doesn't. Taking that time with your kids to understand them better when you can and you should is the most important thing. And each other, right? Because it's not just our kids that are suffering. It's all of us. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the other thing for any of you who you know, own businesses or work in companies where you're high enough up where you can make a difference, the, the stats aren't out yet, but I can guarantee you that when they do, we're, excuse me, we're, we're going to find when the stats come out that we are losing more time to mental health than we are to COVID or RSV or the flu. Like, it, I, I spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs. I coach CEOs. I'm in a lot of CEO groups around the world. Everybody's complaining about what's wrong with my people 
They're not working like they used to. They're not making the decisions they used to. They're not showing up like they used to. It's a common thread about anybody who owns a company, anybody who's in a managerial or senior leadership role right now. Well, why is that? Because we're in the largest mental health crisis we've ever been in, and people are struggling. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to show up. And if you think that when you're struggling with a mental health issue, you're doing great at work, you're not. And if you think you're going to show up to work in a great spot when you've got a child who is 51, 50, is in the hospital or had told you on Wednesday they might want to take their life, you're not. That's the reason why we are in such a crisis in America that our CEOs are saying, what's wrong with everybody? I'll tell you exactly what's wrong with people. They are struggling and they are suffering. And as leaders, we need to do more to show them how to get past this. You can, you can take our What I Wish My Parents Knew program and do a Zoom for all of your employees to teach them what they can do for their mental health. You don't have to use my stuff. Use something else. But as leaders, we need to get better at teaching our executives, our middle managers, how to deal with mental health and how mental health is real. Or you're going to keep complaining about how your people suck. That's your choice. But it's not going to get better unless we all do something about it. What would you say to the parents who don't have the resources to pay for therapy or counseling mm-hmm. or psychiatric care or all a host of things? Because that is a huge reality. That's the majority of the population. Exactly. I can tell you a couple things. First of all, I have hung out with some of the richest people in this country and spoke at a couple of their events in the last year, generational wealth kind of people, and I will tell you this, be thankful you're not them. Hmm. Because if you think your family's messed up, I met a few that are, wow, money does not make things better for them. So let's start there. Now let's go to the fact that, okay, you do not have money for a therapist. I get it. But what I'm trying to tell you is you don't need money for a therapist. If you don't have money for a therapist, then you can be your child's therapist. You can do, if you do exactly what I'm talking to you about, about talking to them, asking them questions, listening, and not judging, then you're doing exactly what 85 to 90% of the therapists out there do, right? They ask questions and listen, and then they ask more questions, and they don't judge. They say things like, how does that make you feel? Oh, they're not going to tell you to go do something. They just want you to talk. You can do that as a parent. You do not have to have a degree as a therapist or be licensed as a therapist to talk to your children and save your kids. So if you feel like there's nothing you can do, there's a whole bunch you can do. A whole bunch you can do. And that's where you have to start. Does that make sense? I believe it does, and... I think that, yes, I completely agree with you that as parents, we need to be leading the charge on this and and treating mental health in the same realm of importance as physical health. I also think that there's a need and role for mental health professionals and (coughs) that because of, you know, insurance that doesn't pay for so many things like therapy or um, 
intensive outpatient treatment sometimes is not covered by a lot of people's insurance and the majority of the population can't afford to pay out of pocket for it. So then what are they left with? Yeah. Well, self-helping themselves. Yes, somewhat, but also I think we have to access other resources that are available in different communities. Community mental health Mm -hmm. is really big where we live and we are fortunate in our community in Johnson County, Kansas, a suburb of Kansas City, to have an outstanding community health center and mm-hmm. help. But that's not the case everywhere, and I know that. Well, and, and, and again, I think there's amazing programs and amazing people in the space. Yeah. There's just not enough of them, right? That's so if you, look, if you cannot afford a therapist and you have local mental health resources that are, are amazing, then fantastic. Let's go use them. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're living in the inner city, L.A., and Watts, you may not have that opportunity, right? Sure. You may not. Right. And, and, there's, and there's, there's communities all around this country where they just don't have the access, they don't have the money, and they don't have the ability. Sure. And so I'm saying if, 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 if you don't have those things, just don't give up. Yeah. You can do this. You can have those conversations. You can save your kid. The most important thing you will do in your life is have those conversations with your kids. Mm-hmm. And all I'm saying is you can do that. You do not need to be anything special besides a parent who loves them to do that. What would you say that the role of social media had in your son's battle? Um, with Ryan, not so much. I mean, with a lot of kids, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a Ryan just wasn't on, Ryan wasn't on social media that much to to matter. Um. But, yeah, it's a huge thing. I mean, kids spend way too much time on their phones, way too much time on Instagram, way too much time on TikTok, way too much time worrying what everybody else thinks and wants. And, and as parents and adults, so do we. Too much time scrolling going, your life's better than mine. But when you talk to those people, those, when we say 40% of kids have mental health challenges, we're not saying 40% of the ugly kids. It's 40% of all kids. Right, exactly. <laughs> the beautiful people that you see on Facebook have the same mental health issues and sometimes more than you do. Oh, gosh, yes. It's like it's not, this is not something that only affects people who – it affects everybody equally. Right. Is there anything, Jason, that I have not asked you that you would like to share or talk about? No, I think we did a really good job of hitting the basics. And I think when I say the basics, I mean, you've got to dive into this yourself. You've got to start researching, listening, going on, listening to podcasts. The most, if you, if you take a look at this today and you look at the stats, the most important thing you can do to help your kids is understand mental health. That's it. I'm going to put in the show notes, uh, your website, obviously, you know, the links to um, your movie that anyone can watch, obviously, yeah. to get to the school program. They need to contact you, but we'll put that all in there so that people know how to get a hold of you if they would like Thank to you. bring this program to their local schools. And I would just encourage listeners to do that. Get in contact with Jason's team and and get in touch with the PTO at your school or the PTA and say, you know, let's do this. Let's make this happen. And, and let's get this conversation going. I, I would encourage you 
if this struck you in any way, to be that militant parent that says, look it, we need this in the school. Don't bring it to the principal and the superintendent and say, hey, can you look at this? But they'll go, oh, well, that's a good program. Let's see if there's nine other ones that we might want to go do too. And we'll get back to you in two years and tell you what our decision is because we're backed up on a whole bunch of other things. Be that militant parent who goes to the PTO and says, look, let's put this in the school. Let's find a date in the auditorium. Let's market and let's go do it. Because that's what that's the, the schools are having the best luck with us right now are the ones who are just going, we're getting past all the bureaucracy, all the red tape, all that kind of stuff. Let's just put this in the school. Yep. I completely agree and work with the parent organizations to make it happen. Jason, thank you very much for being on this episode of the just a mom podcast and sharing your story and for the work that you're doing to help other families not experience the pain and tragedy that your family has gone through. Thank you, Susie. Thank you for all the work you do. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. Once you smile again, take away that pain and them clouds that keep covering up the sun. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain and them clouds that keep covering up the sun. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.